Well, week three of the federal election campaign is coming to a close. Last night, the four major party leaders met to debate in French on TVA. I'll have more about that debate and its potential impact on the polls next week. But what we are seeing is a very close race, and I'm excited to share a few thoughts on this episode of In Focus. Welcome back to In Focus with David Coletto. I'm David Coletto. If we take a quick look at the polls that we have seen over the past week, on Tuesday we released new numbers that showed the Liberals and Conservatives statistically tied, 33 Liberal, 32 Conservative, 22 for the NDP. Among decided voters who are definitely going to vote, the Conservatives had a slight advantage over the Liberals, 34 to 32. Taking a look at Eric Grenier's poll tracker on the CBC website, his most recent numbers show, on average, the Conservatives have about 34% in the polls, the Liberals 31 the NDP at 21, the Bloc at 6, the Greens at 3, and the People's Party at 4%. But as I mentioned on my podcast earlier this week, there seems to be some differences of opinion dependent on how the poll was done. The IVR polls done by Main Street and Ecos are showing a much larger Conservative Party lead, while the online polls and the polls done by Nick Nanos and Nanos Research are showing a closer race. But I think a consensus is starting to form that the Conservatives do have a slight lead, um, but not perhaps large enough uh, to win uh, a clear plurality in the House of Commons in terms of seats. I leave seat projections to others, but I do think that this race is incredibly tight and um, we are seeing some really interesting dynamics. Now, Earlier uh, this week, I tweeted out an image on my Twitter feed. I went back to our 2019 uh, election data and compared uh, the data on a few uh, key points with uh, our most recent survey about equal times in both campaigns. And it appeared to me that many of the metrics uh, were very similar to what we saw back uh, three weeks into the 2019 campaign. Back then, we had a liberal lead of two over the Conservatives. Today, it's one. Uh, The impression that people had of Andrew Scheer, his net impression score was minus 11. For Mr. Toole today, it's minus 13. Uh, Those who say they definitely want a change in government, back in 2019, it was 51%. Today, we have it at 48. It's actually been growing uh, steadily over the last few weeks. The liberal accessible voter pool, those open to voting liberal back in 2019 at this time in the campaign was 51. We have it at 53 today. The conservatives were at 46. Today they're at 44. And when we asked people on a scale from 0 to 10 how interested they are in the election, back in 2019 at this time, the average score was 7.2. Today it's exactly the same, 7.2. So lots of similarities. Now, there are a few points of difference, and and most of them relate to the New Democrats. Mr. Singh has a much better net approval score. Back uh, in 2019, it was plus 7. Today, he's at plus 18. Uh, The NDP voter pool is also six points larger. 44% of Canadians said they'd be open to voting NDP. In the third week of the 2019 campaign, today it's 50%. 
And even Mr. Trudeau's personal numbers are better today than they were back in 2019, if you can believe it, given the way the campaign has gone and the the challenges I think the Liberals have had to gain some traction. One other, I think, key indicator is those who say they are definitely likely to vote in this campaign. Back in 2019, at this time, it was 74%. Today, it's five points lower at 69%. So what, what do we make of this? Well, first, I think much of this first part of this campaign has been about, for the Conservatives, re-engaging their base. Conservative supporters are much more happy and enthusiastic about Aaron O'Toole than they were when this campaign started. Uh, the Liberals have come back down to perhaps their more natural place in the electorate. Uh, Mr. Trudeau's numbers haven't changed all that much, but I think candidate Trudeau, uh, people respond differently to candidate Trudeau than they do to Prime Minister Trudeau. And I think that's a reflection of where we are. Perhaps it's the early election call that's reminded some about what they didn't like about Mr. Trudeau. Perhaps it's the way they've campaigned, or perhaps it's the way the opposition parties have campaigned. But it is clear that the New Democrats are in a much stronger position today. Not only are they polling better in terms of the horse race, Mr. Singh is viewed more positively, but he's doing pretty well on many issues when we ask people which party they think uh, would be better. They're ahead on housing affordability. They're competitive on improving the healthcare system. They're even competitive on who would help reduce your cost of living the most. And so while we have gone back to the future, some of these slight differences, I think, explain why this election, at least at this stage, is looking different than the 2019 campaign. Last night, the federal party leaders met in a debate. I'll have more to say about that next week. But I went back into our vault to look at some past research we did on the impact of the debates. And back in 2019, after the first French language debate, similar to the one last night hosted by TVA, we looked at how people responded. And it was really interesting when we asked people to rate the performance of each of the four leaders based on what you saw or heard. Do you think each of these leaders made a positive impression, negative impression, or no real impression, both Uh, or all three of Mr. Trudeau, Mr. Blanchet, and Mr. Singh, a majority said they thought their impression had been positive, with small minorities saying they thought negative things about their performance. Andrew Scheer, on the other hand, 55% of those who uh, watched or heard about the debate said that their impression of him was more negative. In fact, when we asked people, who did the most to turn you off? 36% 36% said Mr. Scheer compared to 26 for Mr. Trudeau, 13% for Mr. Blanchet. When we asked who did the most to earn your vote, we had a tie between Mr. Trudeau and Blanchet. So clearly, that first debate um, had an impact. People thought Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Blanchet did fairly well. Mr. Singh performed well, but, but didn't seem to break through. But the big loser of that debate was Mr. Scheer. And, and my, my friend, Aaron, Eric Renier, put out some analysis that showed it was after that debate that Conservative support in Quebec dropped pretty substantially. And so that debate had an impact uh, on the Conservative campaign in Quebec. And so we will, uh, we are in the field right now, gauging reaction to that debate. We'll do the same after the leaders' debates next week, and we'll be back next week to report on that. 
I also want to give some thought to what I'm looking for as we head into the third week of the campaign. Beyond the debates and what impact they might have, I think two things stand out to me. First, can uh, Aaron O'Toole and the Conservatives build on the momentum they've had over the past uh, three weeks? Can they grow support outside of that 2019 Conservative coalition? As I said, I, I, I look at the numbers and think they've done a good job at re-engaging that past coalition, but there are still very few Liberal, NDP, Green, Bloc supporters right now who are looking at Mr. O'Toole and saying, oh, I, I like what I'm seeing. I might consider voting for him. We also continue to see that more people think that the Liberals are going to win this election by almost a 20-point margin. That's a signal, perhaps, that people aren't fully paying attention to this campaign, that what's happening in the polls hasn't distilled or fall, uh, sort of trickled down into the consciousness of people, and if that happens, how do they react? Certainly the Liberals are hoping that as more and more people believe and, and realize that the Conservatives have a real chance at winning this election, that they will be able to squeeze New Democrat, Green, Bloc supporters into voting for the Liberals to stop the Conservatives. Now, we're tracking a really interesting two segments of the electorate calling them the Liberal NDP switchers. That's the first group. They represent 20% of the electorate. Now, importantly, half of this group says they haven't fully made up their mind. They have a preference, but they haven't fully made up their mind. And we define these Liberal NDP switchers as those who say their first or second choice uh, would be either the Liberals or the New Democrats. Now, what we've seen over the past week is that the Liberal lead among this group has grown 58% say they'd vote Liberal, 42% would vote New Democrat. That's a four-point increase for the Liberals um, over the past week. This group is, is, I think, critical to explaining and um, determining the outcome of this election. If the Liberals can't continue to increase their margin among this group, um, winning a majority is certainly off the table, but even perhaps winning a minority will, will increasingly be difficult. Now, a second group, about half the size, group we call the liberal conservative switchers, say that their first or second choice would be either the liberals or the conservatives. Now, we've seen a change in their vote intention. More than half say that they still haven't made up their mind. But when we ask them how they would vote today, 59% would vote liberal, 41% conservative. But this is a six-point increase for the conservatives outside the margin of error. It's signaling that the conservatives may be making some inroads into those who are open to voting for and would consider voting for both the liberals or the conservatives. And while this group is not as big as the liberal NDP switchers, I think they're as important to both the conservatives and the liberals. If the conservatives want to win this election, if they want to pick up seats in the greater Toronto area, the lower mainland, perhaps in Atlantic Canada, they have to close the gap among these switchers and I think even win them outright if they're going to be able to build off of uh, the gains they made in the last election and make up for the inefficiency of their vote in the prairies and in rural parts of the country. And so I'm looking to see how do the Liberals respond in trying to squeeze out those switchers on the NDP Liberal side and hold on to the liberal conservative switchers. It's a, it's a 
battle or a war fought on two fronts and not an easy one. But given the liberal platform this week with uh, tax increase or minimum tax on high earners, the uh, focus on abortion and health care, it, it, it seems to me that they are targeting that larger group of liberal and NDP switchers. So we will continue to watch uh, these, these trends and our polling will, will always try to go beyond that horse race to give you some insights into what's happening. Now, next week on Tuesday, I will have a really fascinating interview with the president of the Canadian Teachers Federation. Uh, Students across the country will all be back at school next Tuesday, and so we'll have a conversation with Sam Hammond about education and why it's not being discussed at the federal level. Now, I know it is a federal, excuse me, a provincial area of jurisdiction, but uh, the CTF and Sam Hammond have some ideas on starting a conversation about education and the role that the federal government could play in setting some guidelines and making sure that kids across the country have equal access to good public education. So be sure to listen in to that conversation. We did some polling with them, and uh, it will be uh, an interesting conversation. Have a wonderful long weekend, and uh, I will be back with you next week with some new polls. We're in the field right now. We'll be in the field again after the French language debate. And uh, we'll have all the numbers for you next week. Take care.